Welcome to episode 82 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? Great! We reverse-engineered our openings. We are doing a special episode to celebrate what many are calling the end of an era. On April 18th, 2023, Netflix announced that it would be shutting down its DVD shipping business after 25 years. And on September 29th, 2023, the final discs will be shipped from Netflix headquarters or wherever they come from, your local Netflix hub. Uh, as long to be, time- honest, to be <laughs> honest, I think most people don't even know they were still doing that. Well, that's this is so, but it's two very long time subscribers to the Netflix DVD service and people who, who I mean, not even feel who have seen movies that they otherwise would not have been able to see. If it weren't for the Netflix DVD service, um, we would like to, or this is mostly Jonathan's idea, to have an episode to commemorate the final summer of Netflix, the summer of Netflix DVD. Um, and Jonathan has prepared uh, a list of some, You could, well, let's let you give the parameters to start out. Right. So we'll both talk for a few minutes about our history with Netflix. But what I wanted to do was basically recommend some films that, the easiest way to watch them is to get them through Netflix on DVD through the mail. So I'm going to recommend 10 films with also some side recommendations, but focus on 10 films that meet this, uh, these criteria. Uh, One, they are not legally streaming anywhere in the U S currently. And I don't just mean they're not streaming on Netflix. They're not streaming on any streaming service I looked on the website, justwatch.com, which if you Very don't know about service. that, yes, right, it's an app. It's a website. You can look, you can type in film, television show. It tells you where something is streaming, if it's to rent, how much it costs. And also we'll have, if it's not legally streaming anywhere. Um, so they're all films that are not legally streaming anywhere in the U.S. Films that are not available in print at the moment, as far as I can tell, to buy on disc. I looked on Amazon and you cannot buy them from Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Best Buy. You may be able to buy them out of print or even buy them, you know, unopened, but on second seller sites like eBay or from other sellers on Amazon. And they have to be films that you can get on Netflix through the mail. There are some frustrated us for some time. The amount of stuff that's in your save section of your queue, which I'm going to finish with about 70 things. Netflix never gave the the opportunity to say. <laughs> I know, but there are a number of movies that are not legally streaming anywhere that are on Netflix. There are a number of films that are out of print that are on Netflix, but these are ones that are both uh, not legally streaming and they're both out of print on disc. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's like the idea is like get them while you still can. Yes. If you don't get them and you want to watch these movies, you pretty much got to do interlibrary loan, which I also highly recommend as a way of getting films. Or you might have to go buy them uh, on eBay or Amazon. I mean, just for example, one movie I'm going to mention is the kind of an honorable mention, uh, Robert Altman's A Wedding. 
I was in uh, upstate New York a few weeks ago. I found it at a used music movie store for five dollars wow cheap cheapest it's going on amazon right now is forty dollars goodness gracious and that's one that i will talk about briefly but um so yeah when did you get netflix what was your experience do you remember the first films you got i cannot necessarily remember the first films i got i know i got netflix after blockbuster canceled their dvd mail service subscription because originally i was a blockbuster subscriber i can't i there was a different name for the Blockbuster mail service. I can't remember right now, um, but that's the one I used. And then they canceled. And I think around, I think my freshman or sophomore year in college, I switched to Netflix. Um, I think one of the first ones I might have gotten from it was, is it Europa Europa, the Lars von Trier movie? Or is it well, just the- Europa? It's just one year. There is a movie okay. called Europa, Yeah, that is Europa, 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 but it's just yeah. the one Europa. That's yeah. the Lars von Trier. I von think Trier. Okay. was one of the first five or six I got from uh, the service, which is a movie I have not actually seen since then, but I remember thinking was really extraordinary. Um, it's a and, good one, I think, for people to start with von Trier. If they it's entry-level von Trier. Yeah, don't uh, start with Antichrist or Nymphomaniac. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, continued to use it for a while. I can claim to have uh, reported missing two DVDs that I've have since kept, but you know I paid for them. So uh, and so that is useful for sort of out of print stuff that you can't get anywhere. And now, what are they going to actually do with the DVDs now that they no longer have the service? Are they going to just like auction them off? Because I'd be interested in participating in that auction if it were to occur. Um, but yeah, just long time Netflix DVD subscriber. Um, I can't. I guess I could look on my account, but I'm not going to bore you with like how many actual DVDs I've rented, but a really useful service. I, I really wish that they didn't necessarily advertise movies that they're incapable of offering uh, because they really teased me with about 70 titles that I've still yet to see, or if I have, it wasn't through Netflix. So um, you're probably does more it, accurate with the information it, for yours. So, well, yeah, I what's the question? Well, I mean, have you ever seen it gone from save to being available again? No, I, never. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 when I see it save, I don't even add it to my queue. Oh, really? I've like, just had I, the hopes that you know maybe someday they're offering me this possibility, this this hope, this glimpse of a better tomorrow where I can see Visconti movies and stuff like that. Do you um, know what the first film ever sent out on disc through Netflix was? Uh, if I had to guess, it's a movie released in 1990 was it men in black 2 <laughs> no it's an older film they're making a sequel to it right now gladiator beetlejuice no beetlejuice wow how about that that's a movie i hadn't seen until about five months ago um yeah but yeah jonathan what is yeah, what is I, your history with were you a blockbuster dvd subscriber or were you no i mean, for the beginning i i was i've had netflix to the mail for like 20 years oh really yeah, I mean, since like the mid 2000s, I remember a friend, family friend telling me about it. I'm like, it's like Blockbuster, but they send it to you through the mail and you can get like virtually anything that's ever yeah. been released on DVD and not just what's at your local store. Um, so I got I remember part of it was I when I was uh, in my early teens, I was trying to see every film on the American Film Institute. Oh, top 100. List. 100 funniest films oh. top comedies so i got one of the first films i got i think that two of the very first films i got i got the court jester 
starring Danny Kaye, which is a very funny movie, probably his best film, also has Basil Rathbone and, Ange- and Angela Lansbury. Uh, re- you know, really good example of Danny Kaye's humor and his wordplay and his singing. Uh, and then I got some Buster Keaton films I'd never seen, like Seven Chances, which is a very funny movie. Um, and I I watched a lot of TV series that way. I mean, I feel like really ancient that I like was not streaming everything, but like I got the early seasons of the Simpsons. I got mystery science theater. 3000. I did that with the rest of development. I, I remember uh, me that. too. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's funny. The only time I've really binge watched a show, which I really is through like DVD. Yeah. <laughs> I, because I like, I couldn't not watch the first three seasons of rest of development. I it was like crack. I mean, it was mm-hmm. so, so funny. It's so great. I remember um, watching it with someone who'd seen them and they're like, oh, you're not watching the next week of Arrested Development. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch the next episode. And they were like, oh, it's it's not about what's on the next episode. Right. <laughs> I very but, distinctly remember that because I was just like watching them one after the other. So I was just like, yeah, who cares what happens next week? I know. What's funny is that I used to be like voracious. I got three out at a time for the longest time. And I would like watch one and send it back like the next day. And like... I got so many films. I especially watched some classic comedy shows. I, like there's like you can look on my queue and like I got all these Bob Hope movies and <laughs> you know watching classic comedies. What and... was very good with that is like picking out a certain director or an actor and just sort of like going through their filmography because um, you could you know arrange it in different ways and stuff like that. So I remember yeah. seeing like you know making a point to see like Richard Brooks movies or something like that and. It's really, really good for that. If you just sort of like want to see someone's career from the beginning to the end. The thing is, they didn't have every movie. And sometimes it was really disappointing, the ones they didn't have. Well, (laughs) yeah, some films like just like had never been released on physical media, for one thing. But also there's some they just didn't have for whatever reason. Um, I also think that one good thing about it, and uh, you can actually print this out, I've heard. uh, You rated movies out of five stars and and it would recommend what you would give a film yes and uh you know usually it's fairly accurate you know it's like you're not gonna like if a movie is like two and 2.3 star rating you're probably not gonna like it or you know if something gets like 4.7 rating recommended to you you probably will want to see it and like it um so if you want to keep that you can have i've heard you can print out that whole thing and like see you know, what you've given star ratings to. I guess people just use Letterbox now. You could do it. Um, <laughs> For a long time, but, that's how I counted how many movies I'd seen. That's how many movies yeah. I had rated on Netflix. Right. But um, yeah, so I, I used it for a long, long time. I still do. But the th- difference is that I'm ashamed of like how few films I've actually gotten through the service in like the last, oh, seven years mm-hmm. because when i went to new york city to go to nyu i was i saw so many films in the theater because there's just so much opportunity that like honestly like i saw more films without like by like 10 times the number of movies in the theater than i watched ever at home at, in, in my apartment in new york because i just was like seeing so many new movies and retrospectives and I've had films that, like, I think the longest, I had My Fair Lady out for 11 months. <laughs> I had a few like that. Yeah. Uh, Chariots of Fire I had out for months. I've had Black Stallion out for, like, eight months. <laughs> the Fugitive Kind I had for, like, a year, I think, maybe. 
yeah and i i i think i've never not watched one um but uh i eventually get around to it but i really need to pick up the pace and what i actually did a number of years ago because i was watching so few is i got one out at a time the cheapest version it was one out of 7.99 or something yeah and you can only get two a month you get one out at a time too and and it's funny because they're like a few years ago they said that they're no longer offering that option (laughs) i could keep it as your grandfather then (laughs) i know like if i changed it i could never go back to it but as long as i kept it the cheapest version and so uh i you know I would just get, and now it's like the last few months, I'm going to get these ones that like fit the criteria of what I've talked about. Like ones that like, you were not going to get to see this movie, you know, streaming or, you know, you can't get it in print on disc. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to like, Oh, well, I didn't. Let's, catch let's start with, with, uh, with those DVDs. I think that's a good place to, to jump into it. Right. So I'll just go in basically kind of the order of, I have 10 movies and there'll be a few with like the same actor or the same director. And I'll say, and here are just one or two other ones that I also recommend. Um, the first one I want to recommend is Pilgrimage. It's a John Ford film from 1933 uh, on IMDb. It says the plot is a possessive mother pushes her son into World War I service rather than see him get married. Um, so uh, being a film nerd, uh, about two years ago, I was thinking to myself, oh, I've seen so few John Ford films. I've only seen 15. Okay, I, I've <laughs> seen, yeah, yeah. I've only seen about a dozen, but he did like 120 movies, literally. Uh-huh. Uh, so I started going just from the earliest ones I could get, like ones from the late 19 teens and early 20s and watch some of his silent films. And I made my way. And, you know, there's a lot of his silent films that are uh, probably some of them are lost, but a number of them are not available. But I got up to Pilgrimage, and I think it's his best film pre-Stagecoach that I've seen. You know, wow. uh, uh, it, I haven't seen The Informer yet, which is another major one. So the first one he won yeah. the Oscar for was two years later in 1935. But the basic uh, premise of Pilgrimage is that it's about this really kind of stern mother who doesn't want her son to marry this woman in town she's just it it, it doesn't really have like a good legitimate reason she just feels like this woman doesn't deserve her son and thinks it would be a bad decision and the, the man you know does it anyway and he has a he has a child with this uh or he gets his uh you know lover pregnant and then he goes off to world war two uh goes off to world war one and Uh, he's killed and this is all like in the first like 25 minutes of the movie and so the mother is stuck back at the home and her you know uh, you know she has a grandson and she doesn't want to have anything to do with the woman or the grandson but the the meat of the film is that they ask her uh to go to france where her son died with all these other older mothers of fallen soldiers to a memorial service and like some of it's uh, kind of, uh, you know, culture clash, you know, a bunch of old women getting together overseas in Europe, but it's also like really moving. It's a beautiful movie. And uh, there's a really important John Ford biographer named Joseph McBride, who I'm actually Facebook friends with, <laughs> who wrote uh, a kind of a definitive biography on John Ford titled Searching for John Ford and 
on the Turner Classic Movies website, it says that he claims it's a Ford's quote first great film. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of uh, not really that well known, I don't think, but it's, I think, one of the very best films I've seen of now, like the 25 movies I think I've seen Ford <laughs> now. Uh, it's a really beautiful movie and it's funny and it's just a, it's, it's a movie that if people have not gone and, you know, watched some of his earlier ones, like pre Stagecoach, even pre the informer, uh, I really recommend pilgrimage. It was actually since the pandemic, since 2020, I started doing a list at the end of the year of the best films that weren't new releases that I saw for the first time each year. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, my favorite film that I saw in uh, 2022. That was my favorite film I saw for the first time. So Pilgrimage, 1933, John Ford. Do you even know what's the oldest uh, John Ford film you've seen? Have you seen The Informer? Uh, I have not. It's one that's like been saved on my uh, DVR for some time that I've yet to see. Um, have you seen? The, th- uh, have you seen Stagecoach? Honestly, might be it. I mean, none of his silent films or the yeah, Will none Rogers of his silence. None of no, no. I know of Willie Willie Winky. It's a big part of uh, um, Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. Uh, so I'm aware of that movie, but I've not seen it. Surely yeah, sort of 1939. Right. Yeah, is sort of. Uh, when I start my John Ford familiarity. Well, I mean, t- talk about great years in cinema. I mean, yeah, stagecoach, also- young Mr. Lincoln drums along the Mohawk and then Braves the Wrath the next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's just, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so pilgrimage. Okay. The next one I want to recommend is a film starring Peter Sellers t- titled never let go came out in 1960s and is actually a drama. And actually a serious role for Peter Sellers, which was unusual, especially that early in his career. Um, It's directed by John Gillerman, who went on to direct films in the 70s, such as The Towering Inferno and and King Kong, the one with Jeff Oh, wow. So pretty big blockbusters. Yeah, Death on the Nile from the 70s. Um, And it's this drama... Yeah, it's this drama, Never Let Go, 1960, a British drama, black and white film about a, IMDb says, quote, a cosmetic salesman sets out to prove to himself and his wife that he is not a failure. Basically, this man is kind of not doing too well at his job. I mean, he's not like a bad cosmetic salesman, but he's kind of stuck in this job. He's not getting anywhere. And he's trying to go further and he decides that he's going to get this car and he's going to be able to have more access to people. He's going to get around quicker and he gets his car stolen, like right at the beginning of the movie. And it's like bicycle thieves. Yeah. And and it's almost, um, you know, it's like a, a, what, what, what makes a man uh, movie. And, and it's about him trying to, you know, be a good citizen and, you know, go to the police and he eventually kind of, decides you know he needs to become more tough to get his car back and peter sellers plays the kind of criminal leader who has this uh scheme where he steals people's cars he has people steal the cars and then they take parts from it and they you know take the you know the file off the numbers and they sell them Mm -hmm. uh so he plays this really you know kind of nasty person who on the surface at first is kind of charming but he's you know a a bad criminal and it's just a it's a really good 
you know, real uh, rather early. It's one of his earlier performances, and he had really just been in comedies at this point. Uh, you know, films with Terry Thomas, and you know, you know, this is you know a few years before the Pink Panther and Doctor Strange Love. You know, he kind of really he's in like the Lady Killers and stuff like that before that. Right. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a really good drama. And it's yeah, it's just a really solid. He's good drama. at playing criminal types. He probably should have played more. During yeah, his career. I mean, he certainly really did, uh, good performance in Lolita is like a massive creep. Right. Yeah. And, and like a lot of his movies, like, you know, Lolita and being there are both comedies, but they're like comedy dramas. Mm-hmm. This is like one of his few out and out dramas. He's so, not funny at all in this movie. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of kind of uh, sort of charismatic funny. Well, do you know how like, you know how like you can watch scenes in like Scorsese films where like it's not funny, but the acting is just so good. Like you're almost laughing because it's just like you're you're like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I just was rewatching the other day the scene in Raging Bull where he's accusing his wife of sleeping with his brother. He's like, it's just it's it's so bad. He's like beating her. but It's so funny too but it's it like there is this kind of uncomfortable you know how seedy this character is and so he's uh, like a he's a pretty like nefarious pretty bad character yeah yeah and he doesn't treat early peter sellers pre strange love pre lolita pre pink Pink panther Panther. wow um and i just want to mention one more in passing uh came out even a few years earlier called the naked truth that's the name that's on the dvd the title uh, another title that goes by is your past is showing it's mm. a comedy that also stars terry thomas and dennis price who dennis price is probably best known for being one of the all-time great uh british comedies of that era kind hearts and coronets but um oh, yeah. yeah the naked the naked truth is a funny one that that's you know a good example of a comedy you know british comedy from that era with peter sellers um then we're going to go to another 1960s uh person that was in comedies the <laughs> like i said never let go is not a comedy but peter sellers is really known as one of the key comedic voices of the 60s a little bit later we get to woody allen and i'm going to recommend his very first film as a director asterisk there's kind of like what do we consider his first movie because i'm talking about what's up tiger lily mm-hmm. from 1966 and this is like he, the mxc movie kind yeah yeah kung <laughs> pao enter the fist basically what he did is he uh took an actual japanese spy film kind of a james bond knockoff and he redubbed it and made it ridiculous in a comedy i mean the premise on imdb is a japanese james bond-esque spy flick reused and redubbed into the plot of a secret agent searching to uncover a recipe for the world's greatest egg salad (laughs) and it's like an in like flint casino royale kind of 60s yeah. and to connect two of the things do you ever see the 1960s casino royale with peter Sellers not the whole thing i've seen like bits of it and it's yeah. like it's terrible uh, almost unwatchable yeah it, it's like <laughs> one of the most stunning cast of writers directors and cast it has like orson wells and david niven and i mean i go on and on it's such a bad i mean you kind of should see it for like how much talent's involved in it but it's such a bad film but What's Up, Tiger Lily is a totally silly movie. There's so many funny gags in it. It's just, it's a really silly movie. 
Um, but it's kind of like I said, Take the Money and Run is really kind of his first film where he like actually directed a movie. Mm-hmm. But this is where he, you know, conceived of it and made this movie. Um, supposedly the studio kind of took it and like tinkered with it some, and so he doesn't really think of it too highly. I don't think I guess days. he was mostly known for stand-up comedy at that point or yeah, theater being, writing. Um, right. He had written the play uh Don't Drink and also the Water. For, like, TV shows in the 50s, I guess, right? Right, yeah. He was in a film uh, with Peter Sellers also, besides Casino Royale, it has a similar title just before this, What's New Pussycat? Uh Um, And uh, he had been, you know, was considered one of the best stand-up comedians in the country. Uh, But What's Up, Tiger Lily? It's a very silly movie. Um, You know, it's kind of the start of his early funny ones that went on to be (laughs) like Bananas and Sleeper and Love and Death. I'm a huge fan of those. Love and films. Death is very, very funny. Yeah. So What's Up Tiger Lily is like very ridiculous. Um, uh, I mean, one of my favorite gags is about three fourths of the way through the film. Uh, well, it starts with an interviewer, you know, having Woody Allen explain that uh, what the movie is going to be. And about three fourths of the way through the movie, it cuts back to the interview and Woody Allen and the interviewer says, now, Woody, this movie is has such a complex plot and there's so many characters. Could you help the audience and explain to us exactly what has happened so far in the movie? And he goes, no. And they just come back to the movie. <laughs> and there's just dumb gags like that. And like, there's a part where they jump onto the boat and then they go, oh, there's a mouse. And, goes, zip, 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 and they play it backwards and you see them all jump back up on the ledge and and there's and there's a part where they freeze the frame and they have hands coming in trying to grab the the hair that's caught in the projector and they start doing shadow puppetry. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous, but uh, I've always had a soft spot for it. And also, I used to do this in high school. Um, there's a part where a character comes into a room and one of the servants, you know, tells him to be quiet. He shakes his head and he goes, like that. And I used to do that all the time to my friend in high school. He would like come up and about to be say something. And I'll go, (laughs) there's just a bunch of really dumb gags, but it's a very funny movie. What's up, Tiger Lily? Woody Allen's first film. It's just like a total farce. (laughs) Yeah, totally silly. Um, And now next, I want to recommend uh, two uh robert altman films and i actually want to focus on one that's considered one of his worst movies and i really like it i saw worse than popeye i really like popeye actually (laughs) too i'm a big fan of popeye it's a unusual film to say the least but um the movie that's probably considered well certainly considered better even though it's you know not one of his best best films of the 70s that he uh i mentioned already a wedding his 1978 film uh it's quote about the daughter of a louisville truck driver who marries this uh a very wealthy family into a very wealthy family but the reception at the family estate is boycotted by the invited guests Hmm. so this film has a crazy cast i'll just list a few carol burnett mia farrow lillian gish desi arnaz jr Geraldine Chaplin, who is in Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Hutton, Paul Dooley, Pat McCormick, um, all the way to Dennis Franz. Um, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars. Um, it's not as good as MASH, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Nashville, Three Women, but it's one of his, you know, notable 1970s films. He had this incredible string of, you know, 
you know, some more than a one film a year starting in 1970 with MASH going up to, you know, a lot of people think the end of it was Popeye, you know, that kind of killed his career for a while. It's like with Heaven's Gate, like the end of 70s cinema. I know. And um, so he did this movie, A Wedding, which is kind of like part of the selling was that like Nashville had this really sprawling cast of characters and he like doubled the number of characters. There's a lot of people in the movie. I mean, it's fitting because it's at a wedding, so you can have a lot of different characters. Yeah. Um, so like I said, not top tier, like probably not even, you know, he did so many movies. It's probably not even the top 10 best Altman mm-hmm. films, but it's 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 a solid movie. Um, The one that I want to recommend, actually, which is considered by a lot of people to be one of his worst films is O.C. and Stig. So the initials O.C. and Stig's. It came out it came out in 1985 uh, before his big comeback with the player. Right. And it was actually based on characters that were originated in the National Lampoon magazine. Hmm. And it's kind of like, it's a teen comedy that's kind of like, what if Altman directed a John Hughes film? Really? Um, Does it like look like a John Hughes film? No, it looks like an Altman film. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's like you'll have like the camera far back and there's like multiple characters. on <laughs> You can like sometimes can't hear what they're saying. <laughs> right. And there's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's two uh, kind of smart ass kids going around and pulling pranks and, you know, being you know, typical teens. It has quite a cast. I mean, A Wedding has quite a cast, but the cast of O.C. and Stiggs includes Jane Curtin from Saturday Night Live, the original mm-hmm. season, Paul Dooley, who was in a lot of films of Altman at this time, uh, young in their careers, both John Cryer and Cynthia Nixon. Uh, before his amazing next year uh, with Blue Velvet and uh, Hoosiers and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you have Dennis Hopper, Wow. In this movie. Uh, Ray Wellstone, who was in um, My Favorite Martian on television and Fast Times at Richmond High playing Mr. Hand. Uh, <laughs> Mar- comedy legends Martin Mull and Louis Nye. Tina Louise from Gilligan's Island. And the uh, so a typical massive Allman cast. Yeah. Melvin Van Peebles, the black director, actor. Um, so, yeah, I like this movie. Part of it might have been me going in with low expectations because it really is considered along with uh beyond therapy and um the he did a movie called um uh ready to wear they're considered like some of his weakest movies and i just really enjoyed it i mean it's 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 odd i don't know that you know like exactly how this film came about you know but i yeah i really enjoyed it i will say that if you have a region free blu-ray player you should not get this movie on netflix uh through dvd because uh in just a few months they are releasing it on blu-ray it's going to be region b locked uh but uh, Hmm. this new company called radiance uh is releasing it on blu-ray so if you have a region free uh blu-ray player uh i would say wait for the blu-ray but uh this still fits in my criteria because it is not legally available streaming and it's out of print on dvd in the u.s at least Hmm. Uh, so OC and Stiggs also a wedding but I actually want to shout out and sing the praises of OC and Stiggs <laughs> OC and Stiggs what, what's your uh, viewer uh, like what have you seen of Altman uh, I mean I've seen Gosford Park uh, The Player Three Women Buffalo Bill and the Indians Nashville Thieves Likes Us Long Goodbye McCabe and Miss Miller so definitely more familiar with his 70s sort of run than anything else 
Um, right. Haven't seen shortcuts, which I think is really well regarded as the sort of follow up to the player based have on Raymond Popeye? Carver stories. Uh, I've not seen Popeye. I'm just aware of its reputation, so I can't adequately judge it as one of the worst movies ever made. But no, no, yeah. Well, so you haven't seen like any of his movies from like in the 80s, like the no, not at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, big uh, big I'm, gap. Yeah, I've, I've been catching up with some of his lesser known ones from the 80s and, you know, pre the player. But, like Nashville's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's um, in my top 10 of all time. I'm a huge yeah, Altman fan. So I'm, yes, very much someone who respects Robert Altman. And um, it's just, you know, some of these directors like John Ford, they just have so many movies that you have to be very intentional. And that's what Netflix DVD is good at, is allowing you to sort of fill these gaps um, and see the full filmography of, of people. How and, many? How know, many do we have left, Jonathan? Because we're we're running out of time. Oh, we can do another little <laughs> bit on the next session if we have to. I was going to say Altman was like in his early forties when he directed Mash, which was not his very first film. He actually did like a juvenile delinquent film in the fifties, uh, and he directed a co-directed a documentary about James Dean also. But uh, you know, his first major breakthrough was Mash. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, he which was a big, a, big movie. Yeah, launched um, a so, massive TV show. Yes. <laughs> So um, the next two I want to recommend are really prominent French uh, female directors who have multiple films of theirs that are really hard to get. Um, I want to sing the praises of Catherine Briot, who actually has her newest film, her first in 10 years, premiering at Cannes uh, on May 25th. Um, And that one is going to be called Last Summer. Uh, so we have that to look forward to. But uh, six of her films are not streaming and are out of print on DVD. Uh, hmm. But I want to recommend uh, three of them, uh, specifically one. There's one called 36 Fillette, F-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. It's like a reference Fillet? to a dress. Yeah, I'm not even pronouncing it. It's <laughs> F-I-L-L-E-T-T-E, 36 uh-huh or whatever uh it's a it's a reference to like uh, a dress or something i'm not exactly sure but uh basically almost all of her movies are about young teenage girls discovering their sexuality and having sex with much older men that's like interesting all of her movies are kind of <laughs> like that um uh they're very sexual her movies and this is one of her best movies uh ebert gave it three and a half stars um her films are uncomfortable and uncompromising i mean her easily uh, her most easily accessible film uh because it's in the criterion collection is fat girl came out in uh 2001 it's oh yeah I've really, heard of that. really disturbing uh and a powerful thought-provoking movie but uh I, I really recommend if people have never seen any of her movies uh especially if they want to grab some hard to get ones on netflix before it ends uh get this early one of hers that is about a young woman on imdb it says it's a a night in the life of a young woman who wishes to learn and experience more of life the men she meets have as much to learn from her as they can offer her or more so but yeah it's kind of pervy not like the movie you know it's just you know her not a male gaze pervy but just sort of a gross right um the alice just mentioned too uh two of her other movies perfect love and Anatomy of Hell are both available. I definitely don't recommend starting with Anatomy of Hell. That's one of her most polarizing movies. Got really negative reviews by most people. But I do recommend the 36 Fillet, or however you say it. Uh, <laughs> the other French director I want to mention is Claire Denis. Ah. And three of her movies are on Netflix, but you can't stream them and they're out of print. 
the one I really want to recommend is Friday Night from 2002 um, on IMDb. It says, it's Friday night. She's moving in with her boyfriend tomorrow. So she goes out, but gets stuck in traffic where she meets a handsome stranger. Uh, Interesting premise. Yeah, it's it's a really kind of, it it's a movie where it's so much in the editing and just the impressionistic. It's like there's it, just a woman is moving apartments and she gets stuck in traffic and she falls in love with the guy she meets in traffic and she goes to a hotel and has, a, yeah, it's, I really like this movie. It was one of my favorite films. I put it on my list of the favorite films I saw, uh, you know, a few years ago. I really mm-hmm. liked the movie. John Waters was also a fan of it. He put it, in his top 10 list of the year it came out in the US, he said the most provocative traffic jam since Fellini's eight and a half. So <laughs> slow, so infuriating, so sexy. Well, and, eight uh, and a half traffic jam is not sexy. Yeah, but uh, the other two movies of hers that are not on, not in print, not streaming, but can get them on Netflix is I Can't Sleep and Nanette and Bonnie. So three films by these French directors, Catherine Briot and by Claire Denis, uh, you know, major female directors uh, in the world, international world of cinema. Uh, you want to catch up with some of their earlier films, get them before Netflix ends. So uh, can we take a little bit break and I'll mention a few <laughs> I'm going to ask, are we done? <laughs> no, no, no. We have a few more to recommend quickly. So we will, we will finish to, because Netflix is ending its DVD service, we will indulge Jonathan uh the swan song of the netflix dvd so join us after the break and we will uh finish the countdown of jonathan's recommendations of film streaming or not streaming anywhere in the u.s but available on netflix so we will be back right after the break all right we are back for our Bo is Afraid like Odyssey through Jonathan's Netflix DVD queue uh, for the home stretch, I believe, of his DVD recommendations. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> uh, I want to recommend some, we're getting into the uh, 20th century now, even though uh, Friday Night is actually a 2002 film, uh, but I wanted to group her with Catherine Briott. But I want to go to films by Harmony Corinne, the bad Ah. boy who wrote Kids and wrote and directed Gummo. Gummo is one that's really hard to get. The funniest movie of the 21st century, The Beach Bum. (laughs) I really like that movie. Um, But uh, I I thought that movie is very underrated. That was one of my favorite films (laughs) that year. uh, The part that, uh, what's his name? Zac Efron plays in that, I think is the hardest I've ever laughed in maybe three minutes of a movie I've ever seen. Well, uh, have you seen any of his films? You've seen Spring Breakers. Yes, I haven't seen any of his early ones. Okay, so uh, I'm, G- G- Gummo is one I really wish uh, would get released on like the Criterion Collection or something, because that one isn't even available on Netflix. That one's really like hard to get these days. I just but know I'm gonna... it was referenced in uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. So I'm going to recommend his 1999 film, Julian Donkey Boy. Whoa. Um, it's uh, a portrait of the effects of schizophrenia on family life in the central f- uh, and it's, uh, it's it's central focus. Some of these IMDb <laughs> plot descriptions are like really shitty, um, but it's a film that stars Ewan uh, Bremer, who is in uh, tra- Train Spotting, Black Hawk yeah. Down. 
Yeah, uh, Chloe Sevigny, who was in the film he wrote, Kids, and starring Werner Herzog as the father. Wow. Um, Recently made famous through his role in The Mandalorian. Yes, and also being a legendary film director for like 60 years. Um, So the film was shot with many DVs, uh, you know, early uh, digital, you know, you know, I remember I saw the movie at Anthology Film Archives in New York because they had a series of early films that weren't shot on film. Um, they showed Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark. They showed 24-Hour Party People. They showed Spike Lee's Bamboozled. And they showed Collateral? Was the... Or was that too No, late? no, they, 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 uh, they didn't show that one, but... Um, the the Julian Donkey Boy was one of the ones I saw, and it's shot by Anthony Dodd Mannell, who is has a really notable track record. He's shot uh, the very famous Dogma '95 film, The Celebration. He shot Lars von Trier's That's film. Fast. Yes, uh, great film. That was one that was hard to get for a while, but they did come out in the Criterion Collection a few years ago. Is that the first Dog Me 95 movie, or am I totally I, wrong about that? I think it may be. It's certainly one of the most significant ones. Uh, but Dodd Mantle also shot Lars von Trier's Dogville and Antichrist, and his worked with Danny Boyle a lot, shot 28 Days Later and Some Dog Millionaire. Yeah, won um, an Oscar, so, I believe. Yes, and uh, 28 Days Later was another early movie that, you know, played with, you know, the technology, the shooting on, you know. Very unique look in 28 Days Later. Yeah. Julian Donkey Boy is not a film for most people. I mean, all of Harmony (laughs) Crin's films are not for most people. Uh, It's a really kind of grungy. uh, Bring Bakers and and Beach Film, I think, would you say is his two most accessible? Did you say successful or accessible? most accessible? Accessible, yeah, both. Yeah, from yeah, the box I mean, office. yeah. I mean, Spring Breakers is still like a film I would not recommend to most people, but um, yeah, but yeah. I think the familiar faces make it like, oh, it's James Franco. Oh, that's Selena Gomez. At yeah. least, like, people aren't totally like lost when you're watching that. Yeah, I think Gummo, the same goes with the Beach Bump because there's so many people you've seen, but yeah, they're more kind of uh. You know, well, the beach bumps like legitimately, I think, just like a funny stoner comedy, and not just that, but <laughs> yeah, but also uh, has like almost no plot at all. Yeah, but you know, like how much plot did like <laughs> Cheech and Chong have? You know, uh, but uh, Julian, Express, yeah, Julian Donkey Boy is. Uh, I don't even remember too much about the film, but I just remember it's just like a really kind of impressionistic film. It's uh, you know one that really plays with the form of cinema. You know, this early you know, shooting style. And it it actually is, I think, technically like an American Dogma 95. That's what it uh, says film. on the on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah. So I guess like the narrative method tries to put you in the perspective of someone with schizophrenia. So is it like a pretty disjointed movie or is it? Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels kind of like you're almost watching someone's home videos, but not just like totally slapjack and like there's no point to it. Like there it's is all handheld, of- though. Yeah, uh, well, I, I don't even remember exactly, but there's a lot of kind of, you know, doc, almost like documentary feel, like you're watching something you maybe shouldn't be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I want to mention in passing uh, is Trash Humpers, uh, another film. It's kind of like, what if the people in Jackass, when they dressed up as old people, what if they made a snuff film? Really? It's kind of like, Yeah, it's a movie that he shot on videotape and it really, like, these people wear this old age makeup very much like the way they look in Jackass. And yeah. it's never really like explained. Bad grandpa like, 
whatever yeah. it's called. It, it's never really dirty ex- grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's never really explained. Like, are they actually supposed to be old people, or are they supposed to be like young people who are wearing Dressed as old people? Makeup? And they never like make reference to it. But it's, re- I mean, I I can't. I mean, more than any of his movies, that's really one that like very few people would want to watch this movie. I mean, it's literally like they this go is around. the movie before Spring Breakers. Yes. Yeah. He shot it and he even had the idea once of shooting the movie and like leaving VHS tapes of it around uh, and just seeing if people would find it and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so I can't <laughs> imagine the budget was very high for this. No. And, um, you know, <laughs> is like, it good? I mean, it's a film <laughs> I mean, or maybe I mean, it's on netflix today <laughs> i mean it's one of the like uh dozen movies that my mom refuses to watch she's like i'm never going to watch a movie called trash humpers i mean it's, it's a like, provocative li- title yeah i mean <laughs> they like go around in like abandoned alleys and like the back streets of a town and they just like smash Do they hump trash shit. oh yeah so it's a literal <laughs> yeah. expression of action that we see in the in the movie yeah yeah it's um <laughs> I, I, I guess remember, I should have uh, expected that. Yeah, it's. I remember the movies that made me podcasts, which I listen to all the time. Josh Olson, he frequently has movie nights where he gets groups of friends together. And he said that this is one of the movies that he's, there was almost a fist fight that broke out about how much some of them hated the movie. <laughs> and they were like, like disgusted. At least it gets like, a reaction. That's yeah. probably what he was going for, I guess. Yeah, so it, I'll say this: if you so is that like, his lowest budget movie? You'd say, I guess. I'm not sure what it probably would be, but it's uh, it's the type of movie that, like, if you've seen kids and you've seen Gummo, I haven't seen and, either of them, and and you like them, you may want to see Trash Humpers. But if you're not a fan, of <laughs> you Harmony probably Street, don't. <laughs> yeah, you kind of yeah. So uh, yeah, but so, it is on Netflix DVD and will no yep. longer be available after September 29th. I know. It's like, why wouldn't that, you know, trash up for speed? You don't think Netflix though. streaming is just going to pick it up and put it on the homepage? No, no. But um, <laughs> anyway, the next one I want to recommend is a little more refined, even though it is kind of uh, a saucy movie, is The Mother, not the film that's right now streaming on Netflix starring Jennifer Lopez, same title. Uh, oh, yeah. Their it, number one movie in the US. Yeah. Uh, it, no, I'm talking about the 2003 film. Uh, directed by a director named Roger uh, Michelle, who direct who actually died sadly uh, in, just in 2021. He was only 65 years old. Uh, directed films such as Notting Hill and Venus, one oh. Peter O'Toole, um, and uh, it's a film that's one of it's 2003. It's one of Daniel Craig's early film roles. Yeah. It was uh, just after Road to Perdition, yeah, and uh, it stars the main the titular character Anne Reed is the actress and she was actually nominated for a BAFTA for best actress hmm. for her performance in the film and it's about a woman who uh whose husband passes away at the beginning of the movie and uh she starts having an affair with her daughter's boyfriend oh. uh, who's played by Daniel Craig she's like you know oh my goodness 65 or 70 and she starts this is like a Michelle Haneke movie I, and it's uh very sexual and um yeah it's it's uh daniel craig looks very hot in the movie i shall say a few years uh just a few years before started uh being james bond so is it um, very much like notting hill no it's much more a dream i mean it's a dramatic film and like sexual and like notting hill's like a funny it's a rom-com romantic. 
I know. The mother is like this kind of dark. The Richard Curtis movie. I know. But the mother, uh, the reason I actually watched it is because uh, John Waters put it in his top 10 list of 2004. He Hmm. wrote, quote, a recently widowed grandmother turns horny and has a secret affair with her daughter's much younger, loudish boyfriend. Geronophilia never seems so exciting. Um, And Ebert gave that film... Ebert gave it three and a half stars out of four. So, uh, yeah, this sounds I, I, interesting. Yeah, so this a, isn't streaming anywhere. It's only on Netflix. Yeah, it's not streaming. Not uh, print well, I'm going to add that to the queue. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid movie. Came out twenty years. That ago sounds better year. than Trash Humpers. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's Mother Humpers. <laughs> but um, the the next one uh, is uh, Down to the Bone. Uh, Down to the Bone. Yes, 2004, the first feature film directed by Deborah Granick. Do you know her name? She's a uh, director of Winter's Bone and Leave No Trace. Oh, okay. So this is um, early in her career. Yes, and also fairly early in the lead actress's career, uh, Vera Farmiga stars in it. Who was in uh, The Departed two years yeah. ago. Yes, uh, and and then I went on to be Oscar nominated for Up in the Air. I've been in the Conjuring films, the show Bates Motel, um, Down to the Bone is uh, IMDb says quote a woman stuck in a stale marriage struggles to raise her children and manage her secret drug habit, but when winter comes to her small town, her balancing act begins to come crashing down. Um, really low budget film and just a really good character study. Um, you could certainly see the woman who directed Winter's Bone and Leave No Trace did this movie. It's very much about like the community, uh, you know, small town life. And uh, it feels so very, thematically very similar to Winter's Bone. Yes. And um, I really liked her film, Leave No Trace. Did you ever see that with Ben Foster? No. And uh, Mackenzie, uh, the actress who was in uh, Jojo Rabbit and last. I was in Mackenzie. Yeah, she's. Uh, What's the name of the Joaquin Phoenix one where he's protecting the young girl? She's not in that. I know, but what's the name of that one? Oh, uh, you were never really here. Yeah, I sort of think of these as among the same sort of subgenre. No, no. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, no. That's like a really dark crime thriller, and this was like uh, Leave No Trace is like a beautiful father. He doesn't uh, murder anybody. <laughs> no, no. It's just like um, kind of a. It, it's. Do you ever see Captain Fantastic with uh? Vigo Mortensen. I don't, well, I don't know why I thought. I guess is, is there, there a movie the, with a similar title that is violent? I'm, I might just totally have this wrong. Leave no. Tra- it's like they're they're like um, people that live in the wilderness, like off the grid. <laughs> so and... it is like Captain Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was way yeah. off on that one. <laughs> no, no. But Leave No Trace is a really beautiful movie, and uh, Down to the Bone is one that uh, I saw a few years ago. I got it through interlibrary loan, but uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it was, yeah, it's a really solid little, you know, very small budget indie movie or first feature on the DVD. Another reason to get DVDs is because you get special features. You can watch the short that is the basis for this film. Um, oh, wow. The, so you could. Uh, so something like Whiplash or something like that. Yep. Or Bottle Rocket. Uh, yeah. You can watch the original short. So yeah, Down to the Bone. Uh, also uh, just a, a when I say a good drug film, I don't mean the way like Cheech and Chong, <laughs> like a good drama. Dazing about, right. It's a it's a good film about addiction. Where the subject um, matter is drugs. And right. The effect of drugs. Yes. Like so traffic. I, yes. So I'm going to get to my last one now. That is uh, 
Another director who a number of his films are not legally streaming and it's a shame and I feel like he needs a resurgence. Uh, have you seen any films by Todd Solons? No, but I'm aware of them. Yes, uh, probably best known for two of the best comedies of the 90s, uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and Happiness. And happiness is comedy is- being used in a, bro- a broad term here? <laughs> no, he. I mean, all of his movies are definitely comedies, but they're really dark, fucked up comedies um happiness is like i would say in the top 10 of the 90s for me that's a great i know it has a very good cast yeah and it's uh early philip seymour hoffman as mia farrow uh no 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 louise lasser's in it excuse me mia farrow's in one of his later films too woody allen uh yeah yeah. uh same year uh both this is really getting okay happiness is not on netflix it's not available and that's one that's not streaming it's out of print i really wish the criterion collection it's nowhere yeah i have it i have it it on on, like youtube no maybe but i have it on dvd out of print but that one is totally hard to get but it's like considered one of the best films in the 90s but i was going to say that it came out the same year as the big lebowski which also has philip seymour hoffman and ben gazera nonetheless (laughs) the movie i want to recommend that is on Netflix is Palindromes, which is probably his most divisive movie. It's basically a comedy drama about abortion. Mm. And it's a film about this young woman, really a young girl. She's, you know, underage and she becomes pregnant very much like a Catherine Briott film. She has sex with a much older man and she becomes pregnant. And the film is kind of this odyssey of watching watching her run away from home and go through the world pregnant. And it, it's a very smart, thorny movie that uh, shows you all these different facets of the abortion debate. And the thing that makes the film kind of unusual uh, in fitting the title Palindromes is that the lead is played by different women throughout the film. She hmm. changes uh at one point she's it's like, like the this, bob dylan movie yeah it's like this uh one is like this heavy set black woman and then it's played by jennifer jason lee all of a sudden and hmm. uh yeah and at one point it's a little boy even um and uh oh ellen God. it has jennifer jason lee and ellen barkin uh the film opens with the funeral of don wiener the main character from his film welcome to the dollhouse hmm. um he's almost has like the interconnected universe of a marvel movie like (laughs) almost all of his movies have characters from previous films the solon's extended universe i know um and supposedly he has a movie that he's been trying to make for years love child that's gonna the last i heard there's like two or three years ago it's gonna star now uh reuniting the lobster stars colin farrell and rachel weitz wow was initially gonna star surely adam driver is gonna be in it (laughs) Well, I mean, he gets good actors. I mean, his uh, film Wiener Dog had Danny DeVito and Ellen uh, Burstyn and Greta Gerwig and Julie Tracy Letts of Ladybird. I know. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of his. He's I've seen him in New York a number of times because he taught at NYU. Has not made a movie in seven years, it looks like. Yes. And um, I'm a big fan of his palindromes is not the one I would recommend starting with necessarily. I would certainly recommend you can easily get welcome to the dollhouse. Um, is that but, streaming or any of his movies yeah, streaming? Yeah. 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 His uh, welcome to the dollhouse. I'm pretty sure is it's came, it came out on Blu-ray recently a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you can get his film storytelling. You can get life during war times in the Criterion Collection. Um, his last two films, Dark Horse and Wiener Dog. Uh, but his very first, he's one of those directors, along with Edgar Wright, that I have seen all of his movies except his very first film because you can't get them anywhere. Like, you can't uh-huh. get Edgar Wright's A Fistful of Fingers, which he made when he was like 21. And also similarly, Todd Solon did his first film, one of the great comedy movie titles of all time, Fear, <laughs> Anxiety, and Depression. I was going to say, very, very provocative title. Yeah, but uh, I'm a big fan of his. So I recommend definitely watching uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and Happiness if you can get happiness. Uh, but uh, I do really like palindromes. Um, uh, I'll say I want to quote my last uh, John Waters put in his top 10 list. He said, Todd makes the perfect abortion movie. It's kind, scary, fair, and with amazing musical numbers. Come on over to Broadway, Mr. Salons. We could use you. Wow. So uh, it's a provocative um, movie uh, and it got very uh, mixed reviews, but I'm a fan of his and, you know, no one's, I mean, he put some of his own money into making that movie because like no one wanted to make it. Um, And he's jokingly said that like pretty much every movie he's made has made like half the amount of money his previous film did. (laughs) Um, So that's why it's been like literally diminishing returns. I know, but I I'm I'm a big fan of his, uh, and uh, Palindromes is certainly one to watch and debate. It's a really provocative movie, and only on Netflix. Yes, until September 29th. I know. So, uh, <laughs> go and uh, add these to your queue. You know, find ones that you want to. Uh, you know, there's a number of movies that you know I'm going to try to get to before it closes. I mean, I still think you can sign up for Netflix, and like, I don't think they're blocking people from signing up. No, I think yeah. And part of announcing think, it is, I guess, in the hope of building it in the last sort of hurrah, well, make a little money. I like I if, said, if a hundred people sign up, that'll be profit. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I just wonder like what why do they stop is it like just the is the amount of people that do it you know are still subscribing versus the amount of money and manpower it takes to send them out like not meeting you know i don't know i don't know the movies i have lined up in my queue are the the films of robert benton who did kramer versus kramer yeah still live yeah which includes places in the heart nadine billy bathgate you know the uh, human one stain. of the sc- screenwriters of bonnie and clyde really yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's one of those, uh, like a Paul Mazursky, I think, sort of one of those directors who's really sort of fallen out of public consciousness. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you real quick: what, of the ones I was recommending, which ones do you like? I actually think I'm going to add that to my queue and watch it. <laughs> Mother, I think that sounded great. Yeah, I really recommend... made Notting Hill with a sort of sexual. Is it a thriller? Or is it just like a psychological like a... drama? Or is it just a I... romance? It's just like a uh, kind of a dark character study drama. Um, yeah. And, uh, it sounds interesting. And Daniel Craig's really hot in it. That's the selling <laughs> point uh, for me, at least. And, what what uh, yeah. movie do you think attributed more to him becoming Bond, the mother or Lair King? <laughs> um, I would say that, well, I mean, the fact that he was in a film not, you know, nominated for Best Actress, you know, couldn't hurt. And yeah, I mean, tradition. wasn't he in um, a movie called like, no, no, that's Kevin. Uh, um, uh, what, what was he? What, what, what? Besides Road to Perdition, what had he been in before that? And those are like literally the only two movies I can think of. I mean, I'm sure there are others. Um, 
recently I, he's just I was, had a I was southern accent in every movie he's been in. I know. Um, I was trying to think that he he was in Croupier with that, but that oh, was, he was uh, in Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I saw that. Oh yeah, so um, I was gonna say uh, Elizabeth. He's in oh that. yeah, yeah. Hidden King Arthur's Court. I think that was a Disney movie, right? Yeah, but yeah, I I, I really yeah I I well I rec I recommend for you Pilgrimage. You should get Pilgrimage. Okay, maybe I'll do that. I have ninety two things in my queue. I don't think I'll be able to watch them all. Do you know the number remaining in years at the moment? I cut it down to like 35. I just like, I only have the stuff listed that are like, you maybe I think them. I can probably, you know what? I have kids in my queue. Yeah. So. I don't know that you would like that. Movie, <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but I don't know if you can stream it anywhere else. Well, um, I do say that I think that uh, people, well, I mean, people do whatever they want, but like, I, don't just get like movies you can easily get like, really take the last few months to get hard to find stuff i think what most people would do you know yeah don't just I'll, get the godfather I'll, you know? I'll use just watch to tell which of these are streaming somewhere and which ones i can only watch on netflix dvd there we yeah. go we're plugging netflix and just watch for free um well thank you for listening uh and we will be back probably next time with the more traditional episode reviewing some movies released in 2023 um but yeah, I mean, Netflix DVD has been a real mainstay and I think both of our sort of movie watching uh, history. So it is it is really something that it's ending this year. I mean, we sort of knew it had a, a window. Well, it's, it's kind of like there's all these things that are like you hear a few years ago, Mad Magazine's ending. I'm like, oh, that's so bad. It's an interview. Like how many people are actually subscribing to Mad Magazine? Like, people, <laughs> Not many. I know people. The one sometimes... thing that would really be a killer is if TCM stopped working like airing. I mean. One thing I think they they serious they do have a streaming component where like the films from the last like month they're streaming. But one thing I could see them doing is making a more like kind of out and out like you don't have to have a cable subscription. Classic film library service. Yeah, but you know I just don't know how because like I think they sort of are in tandem with HBO Max at the moment though, where there's like a TCM curated section. Yeah, and there's but, a lot of like you know I feel like a lot of people, you know the the Criterion Channel has a lot of what older films you know, but it's yes. more kind of international. Like they don't have Casablanca on there, Citizen. No, Canada. their selection of like Hollywood movies is actually pretty limited. I mean, um, they do have a lot, but they don't have a lot of like classic, classic like. Oh, and it's all it's also one of those ones where it's not like there's a library that's a mainstay because it shuffles in and out. So there might be like. 25 50 what do you have that. what do you have out right now on disc it's the fugitive kind is what's oh, it right still now. has it. <laughs> yeah so i need to like I actually have... start like you know getting a fire under my ass and, and watching some of these i did I, I i i like six months ago i watched the shorts all the shorts by carol ballard on the blu-ray criterion blu-ray of the black stallion but i haven't actually gotten around to watching the film yet and that one i should just like <laughs> watch because you can get that one easily i just got well it. now like there actually is a real clock on these uh so we need to be even more deliberate about watching them but yeah, yeah. anyway thank you for listening and we will be back with you guys next time